All right. Let me know if you can resonate with any of these terms. There's a stranger in my house. Two ships passing in the night. We've grown apart. The butterflies are gone. We fell out of love. All the planning of a wedding without the actual planning, preparing of a marriage. I want to ask you this question. Did you know that David and I actually called off our wedding? Like we had the invitations ordered, the date set, all the things picked out, including the venue, and we called it off. We're about to get really vulnerable with you guys and share what has gotten us through some really big knockdown drag out fights to come out stronger on the other side in Fighting Fair here on the Turned On podcast. Hello and welcome to the Turned On podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. This is what you want it, babe? Yes. All right. We'll go with what you want. Well, who did you want to play? You know I wanted Stevie Nicks and Don Henley. These hours before my time. As it's, a, it's everybody's time. Don't ever Leather say... Leather and Lace was before my time. No, don't ever say... Steve. What year did it come out? doesn't matter. It's, every, it does it's, matter. it's timeless. <laughs> it's timely because it's timeless. Listen... There ain't a person on this podcast, I don't care, when they were born that can't resonate with a little bit of Tamia no. when she says there's a stranger in my house because that is exactly what we're going to be talking about here today. Well, there, I just want to let you know one more thing. There's there's 10 and 11-year-olds right now walking around with Stevie Nicks shirts on. So it, it doesn't, it, They don't know leather and leather. It doesn't even if they did. It doesn't matter. It's timeless. Okay. Let's Whatever. start arguing about See, this. Let's just argue. That's exactly right. We're going to talk about fighting fair today, and we're going to give you at least at least three things that you can walk away with now. And I say at least because there's always stuff packed in the stories, you know, that we're going to share with you. Um, But there's going to be at least three things that we're going to have you focus on in fighting fair and making sure that you can build a biblical marriage. You know, this is, this is not about what we have to say. This is what God has to say. This is a biblical. Does God talk about marriage? Uh, Yeah, he certainly does. That's a rhetorical question. He certainly does. That is, uh, I'm being facetious. We're doing some really big things here at Turned On, and we're going to be focusing on the family a lot. Almost, like, entirely. Big things. Huge things. Huge things. Huge things. Billions of things we're doing with Turned On. Billions and billions of people are going to be transformed through. Big, big things. Home team building. Home equity building. The Turned On family is about to get turned on here at the Turned On Podcast. Let's go, David. Let's talk about fighting fair. Let's talk about... We, you know, we could have gone with Pat Benatar, Love is a Battlefield. It could, but I still like There's a Stranger in My House. I know. I like the remix version. There's a club version. Did you play it when you were a spin instructor? 
I did. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the yeah. thing. This is this is funny. Here's another story. Um, and I might have told this, but it's worth repeating. Um, when I was I, if I'm so into music, and when I first met Angelique, we had this discussion about hip hop and dancing, and she's like, "It's just you know, I'll go, but it's just not my thing." And I was like, "Wait, I love hip hop. I know." We had a discussion about whether it was important for you to love hip hop on the same level that I loved hip hop. Meaning like literally go out on the weekends and dance and have for- circles form around you. That's not But my, that shows yeah. you how immature I was. I definitely you, think if yes. there's one thing we can agree on right here that I will stake my bank account on is that in general, and I would say it's a, I would say almost across the board, there's a few exceptions, but men are technically in in terms of maturity, I would say 7 to 10 years behind women in terms of their the, the the degree to which they mature. So if you're six years older than me. That's why it's working, baby. Then why aren't I'm we? three years younger than you. <laughs> then how come I still feel like, I still feel like I have a husband child? I know. Well, because I, I tilt the curve way in the other direction. <laughs> yes, the typical do. man is Are seven to 10 years. Are we on a curve here? I'm, I'm 15 to 20 years oh, lacking boy. in maturity. I'm glad you're honest with yourself. Like, I'll make a fart joke right now and think oh, it's funny. See, I know. And it just kills me. Let's Where talk do we about, start? Let's talk about the let's talk about the one I teed up the podcast with. Tee it up then. Okay. Do you want to go ahead and tee it up or should I? You tee it up. All right. See? I can agree with that. Okay. So David and I were engaged. Um in we st- we were engaged in December of two thousand and nine. And first uh, time for both of us. First time for both of us. Yep. First time, long time. <laughs> and here's a here's a deal. Like I, I I thought for I thought I was hitting the jackpot with somebody that loved the Lord, loved his family. Um, Wait, you know, you thought you were hitting the hold jackpot. On. Let me finish. Okay, so he, you know, I fell in love with a guy that loved to talk. He loved to you know court. He loved to study and you know create conversations and and it was it was not at least I always believed it wasn't just about like the catch, you know, like you really truly invested in our relationship. And, um, he won my parents over and like, there was so much, even he asked my parents permission. Like there was so much that went into it that was so old school and old fashioned. And, and finally someone that showed me respect. And then literally one day he come, came over my house and he walked in the door and he had this chip on his shoulder. Like I could smell it when he walked in the door. I was like, what? what has possessed you? I could just see it. And you had, you're sitting with your arms crossed right now. He, he was sat with his arms crossed, like on my couch. And, and I stress my couch because like we had our own separate lives, you know, and we were adults. I was in my early thirties. It was 30, 31, maybe 30. You were 36, 37, 17 maturity wise. Yes. Okay. And you came in and said what? I, I just, you know, to no, make no, a, no, 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 don't, don't, sugar, don't short, sugarcoat it. I just said, I'm going to do my thing still, you know? That's not exactly, no, you didn't. Here, here's, that. here's. Can you just tell him really how it, how it went down? It was, it was like the scene out of Greece. We talked about this at dinner over the day. Danny yeah, Terrio gets in front of his, his, he has this moment. He's like, yo, baby. He's like, it's cool, right? I was trying to be too cool. And but I, nobody and, was there but and us. And she was remembering this, that summer. That we had, and I was thinking about being cool and losing my guy friends and all that stuff. Yeah, but here's the here's the one key point that Danny acted completely like himself around just her. Yeah, it was in front in front of his guys that he put on a show. Yeah, here's where that differs. 
we were alone and you came in like okay. Danny Zuko around his friends. And I was like, who are you and what have yeah, you done? Let me with my be fiance? serious for a second. Cause I, Please, I, I, I this like is important. Kid. I know I like the kid. Um, and so this is in the book, the pursuit and Angelique's going to tap into something extremely important. And this is, this pertains to everybody. This is not about our relationship. This is about relationships. So mm-hmm. don't think that we're going to sit here and talk to you about us. This nope. is about you. This is about you. And, and here's where it relates. Um, the chapter on running, I, I ran from her and, you know, like Jonah ran, and, and we talked about this in a, in a in a recent podcast. So I'm not going to rehash everything, but the fact is, I was running, and we we run from that which gets difficult. Whether it's in the courtship, whether it's during the actual marriage, that first year is really hard for you newlyweds. The first year is like that gauntlet that you got to get through, and then and then there's like that. You know, every five to ten years, it's like your body's metabolism gets tougher. To stay lean, um, let's be honest, you know, there's great things about a marriage, but you have to put more work into it as it goes along. Mm-hmm. And this was very early on that I was running. And I ran and I ran and I ran. And I, uh, Angelique put something in the book that I think she's going to read to you now that it's just really good. Yeah, so he he came home and, and, you know, let's just be honest. He was like, I just want you to know that things aren't going to, like, there's a lot of things that you're just not, they're not going to change. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And you were like, well, I want to be able to go out with my guy friends. And if I go out and have a few drinks and have to take a cab home, then so be it. And I was like, what is this? What are you talking about? Like, I'm here thinking, you know, we're going to go, you know, pray together. And you're talking about going out with your guy friends and taking a cab home because you want to, you know, get wasted. It was so bizarre. And um, I was definitely more spiritually mature than than him at that time and and what i mean by that is like i was really deeper into um you know the the bible and our faith uh, other than you know a religion so let's make sure we differentiate the two my relationship with christ was really strong and to the point where i knew my identity and this is what i want to talk with women about and, and just people in general know your identity in christ before you can you know essentially be codependent on your identity with another person and that's what a biblical marriage is like a man and woman were made both in God's image. They were whole and complete to complement each other, not to complete each other. It's a big difference. So I, I was so clear on who I was that at the end of that argument, which was intense, I just, I took my ring off right there in front of him. And I was like, no, no, like we're not doing this. Like you're not at all who uh, you basically sold me. You were, cause that's what I believed at that moment. And um, I, I, I called it off. I didn't send the invitations out. I called the venue. I said, we're not doing this. Um, obviously, my parents knew. I was broken. I was brokenhearted. And it was hard. You know, it was really, really hard because so much of my childhood dream of, you know, being married and having children with the right person all of a sudden came crashing to an end with the most bizarre circumstance, something that, I, that came out of left field. And David walked out. You walked out. You Your car was there, but he walked out, meaning mm-hmm. you left and left your car there. And I'm thinking, where did he go? Like around the block? Is he going to come back? You didn't come back. And when did you get your car? You must have gotten it like the I next day. I think I probably day. came back at night when I, like, I, I kind of creeped up yeah. back into the neighborhood. It's like I was stealing my own car. <laughs> yeah, you did. And I was asleep or whatever. And Pride. Or I, maybe I, maybe I went to my mom's. I don't know, but I I just woke up. Mate, no, I had well, pride. Be- is, pride is a funny thing. Let's address this one thing. Pride yeah. is a funny thing, and and words are are awkward because we had a pastor recently who said, um, and this is in the book too. 
um, I had to quote him on it because he said, you know, a lot of people will give the old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And he goes, that, he goes, anything. that doesn't make sense. He goes, words definitely hurt. And, and there's an unknown quote that also says, be careful with your words because once they're said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. That's right. And uh, if we start to get in why this is going to be important to you is language and words have a lot of meaning. When we get angry, and we all get angry, I don't care if it's getting angry at your kids, getting angry at a politician, getting angry at a neighbor, or your spouse. When we get angry and it does weird things to us and we say things, and and that's why words can hurt because once they're out of the box, they're out of the box. And and so my first call is pride is a number one thing that we can talk about right here. Pride mm-hmm. is always destroy relationships. And the second thing is words do matter. And we have to figure out how we fight. Remember, we have always said it's not if we'll fight, it's how we will fight. What type of words will we use? Because they won't be forgotten. I mean, they won't be forgiven. They'll be forgiven, but not forgotten. Well, his pride took him away and then brought him back to pick up his car, and I didn't hear from him. And so I I had to humble myself um, and basically pursue a conversation with him. And this is where I'm going to share with you what I shared in the book on, on page 256. I'm not even sure what chapter it is, but, um, you know, I humbled myself. I said, listen, we got to talk because he was gone for days, like three days, like, like Jonah in the belly of a whale. (laughs) And, um, I basically came to him with the word of God and said, before you walk out of my life in this situation forever, you know, let's ask what God has to say about this. And it was which scripture, babe? Um, it was Corinthians. And what did it talk about? Becoming a man, putting Becoming. the ways of childhood behind you. Right. So here's here's what I wanted to share with you, and I'll just I'll read my quote. But um, I basically was saying, you know, to David, you were stubborn, and if I thought that I could win you back, meaning me to David, or transform your attitude on my own with my own strength, I could have done it with sex. I could have done it by manipulation. Or I simply could have allowed you to walk all over me and just be a doormat. But thankfully, I was mature enough spiritually to know that I couldn't convict you with my own flesh, with my words, or anything by myself. I knew that I, that you, David, had to be convicted personally by Christ. And the only way that I was going to reach him was through God's word. And that was the approach. And I'm going to tell you why. And the three things we're going to share here about fighting fair are something things that we're always we always focus on when we fight because believe me, that's not the last fight we had. I mean, we've had some knockdown, drag about verbal you know altercations in our marriage where you know it's just it's intense you know because I don't let the sun go down on my anger. Do I not? What is what is my mo when it comes to fighting? Jab, jab, right hook? No, no. What is my ammo when it comes uh, to fighting? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You don't let the sun go down on your end. And so what does that mean to you? That I'm not going to be able to sleep it off. Yeah. So <laughs> what is your approach typically? Sleep it off. Okay. He wants to just go to bed. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because what happens is it festers. And if you're if you're fighting with your spouse or in just relationships in general, like don't let things fester. Um, people say things like time heals all wounds. No, it does not. No, it doesn't. Jesus does. Jesus heals your wounds. 
the word of God heals wounds. Um, having having the word of God and the Holy Spirit be your um, remediator is what heals marriages, is what heals situations. So don't let the sun go down on your anger in fighting because ultimately you can wake up the next morning and just like kind of let by, by God's be God by God's. But to me, it's like cleaning my house and I, I'm sweeping dirt under the rug. And eventually when I go to lift up the rug, it's adhered to the ground, you know, in, ingrained in the wood floor or whatever it is, because I have allowed for it to fester. And that's when small things can actually destroy the big things that you never addressed. So for me, in this this particular um, point of our you know relationship, in order for me to make sure that we were going to get through this, was I had to know what God had to say about it. And the other thing is, I needed to win for us. I wanted to win for us. I didn't want to win for myself. So if you're fighting and you're not fighting fair because it's about your ego and about your feelings and about your, it's only to win for yourself and not for the two of you. So you have to be focused on the same goal. And that's really important to understand too. Thankfully, David was man enough to realize, and, and here's the deal. He was submitted enough to the Holy Spirit, to God, to allow for God to go, I just, I just basically gave you a spanking, right? Because if, if that had not, if you were too, too prideful, even the word of God may have not come, come to you in that moment. But thankfully, you were humble enough then. Because what if, what if the Holy Spirit convicted him of it 10 years down the line or a year later? What if at that moment, when I brought that scripture to you and the Bible to you and we read, you weren't ready? Yeah. Think about that. Think about in a year, let's say it was a year later, and maybe I found someone else. Maybe I was engaged. Maybe I was in a relationship. And you were like, hey, you know what? Uh, you were right. Then what? Yeah. When Rudy came home last night, uh, <laughs> his brother was with his ex-girlfriend. We watched Rudy last night. It was a great movie. But think about the truth. Think about how important that is. Like You have to be running towards the same goal um, and winning for each other, not just yourself. Here's the thing. Um, wh- why do people get married? It goes back to that. Who's in the center of it? It goes back to that. Here's the biggest thing I think of what is culture? How does culture view marriage? You know, the ironic part is I was reading a study and it said in the, this is funny because we always talk about culture and I think culture is big, but according to this study, it said that um, in the 1970s, okay, in the 1970s, um, the average marriage that didn't, that didn't last in 1975, it lasted 7.5 years. Like So the rate of divorce, 7.5 years. That's when most couples got divorced. In 1990, is 7.2 years. So it's not a big difference. And today, the, the length of a marriage um, that ends in divorce is eight years. So it would seem like not a lot has changed, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and that's a statistic according to census data. But how many people data. are getting married is the question. Has that gone down? Well, the, the fact of the matter is where are we looking for examples of a healthy marriage. We saw a couple yesterday pass us in the street, and they were both wearing a shirt that said, you know, 39 years of marriage. It must have been their anniversary, right? And we kind of gave them a high five. We try to celebrate marriage. When somebody is on Facebook and they have an anniversary, you know, we try and celebrate that. Where where energy goes, right, that's where it's going to show up. And we look at the tabloids. You look at Hollywood. You look at, geez, don't look to politicians. Don't look to these people. And that's a central passage in the pursuit is, 
we're looking to influencers, we're looking to Hollywood celebrities, we're looking to athletes, and we're looking to Washington, D.C. for a majority of our guidance. And those people have, for the large part, there's no fruit there. I mean, think about it. You guys hear of a Hollywood couple separating, and you're like, yeah, big deal. You know, we watched a movie the other night with Nicolas Cage, The Family Man. Ironically, The Family Man, mm-hmm. right? Great movie about marriage, sticking sticking it out. Mm-hmm. Here's the ironic part. Nicolas Cage, his marriages have been a joke. I think he had one that lasted for six months, and the other one for six days. He's been married like four times. Mm-hmm. So you could play a great guy in a movie, Nicolas Cage, but your personal life is a wreck. Yeah. And, and that's the problem is... We're looking to these things because we see them most often, and we're supposed to counteract that with a an hour in church, yeah. you know. And and God says we're supposed to be together forever, and we're just not getting that message out, Christians. We're not we're not perpetrating that or, or perpetuating that. I'm sorry, perpetrating. <laughs> we're not perpetuating that enough, and so our society's just like ah, they got divorced now. The other part is... I was raised by a broken family. Let's please, let's let's preface this. Yeah. Well, the other day I was speaking about um, breastfeeding and and that people get really heated about that because some people can't. And I'm just making this analogy is we can't get upset when somebody says something that's right just because it didn't happen for us. Let me repeat that again, okay? Whether if you came from a divorced home or you're divorced right now, the same thing with someone who couldn't breastfeed. So I'm not supposed to talk about how great it is for a child and a mom to breastfeed, the natural things that God has done with the body. I can't talk about that because it might hurt somebody's feelings because they can't. You see what happens is we've become such a sensitive society that you know a biblical marriage where a man and a woman stay together is the way to go. There's so many more benefits to that. But because some people, and even my wife, have come from a divorced home, so we can't talk about it, and I'm only saying this because we need to say, okay, there will be exceptions to the rule. There will be cases that we have, there's circumstances way beyond our control. You know, people, the one spouse tried to keep a marriage together, the other person just didn't want to do it. Okay, I get that. You can't get defensive, and we can't get defensive in general because of what God says is supposed to happen, and it didn't happen. Does that make sense? Am I? Am I? Yeah, it does. I being I mean, too cautious here? No, I. I think. Look, I came from a broken home, and um, as much as I would have loved to see my parents thrive in a biblical marriage, it didn't happen. And so, I actually. That's why a huge part of my mission is to champion biblical marriage. Is to is to champion people staying together uh, for the nuclear family, because. I didn't have that privilege. And so two things can happen out of such, and Tony Robbins talks about this too, but two, like two people could go to war and one could come out and, and just, you know, be the most upstanding citizen, freedom fighting patriot that loves God, loves his country, uh, loves freedom and, and offers peace. And then the other person come in and just be so traumatized by it that, you know, they want to blow up everything around them. And so the reason I mentioned that is, you know, there are people that came out of broken, divorced homes and and just don't believe in marriage as a result of that. And then there's me who believes in it with every cell in my body because it's what God says, not because of my circumstances. So 
your, while your environment is stronger than your own willpower, God is bigger than your willpower. So no matter what my willpower might have been or what my idea of marriage could have been through my own experience, it doesn't mean that God wasn't more powerful for me. And so that's why it's been such a huge driving force in my life to, in this case, like what we're sharing with you is, what does God say I have okay. to about this? And how do we win for each other and our family, not just myself, not just my ego, not just what I want, not just what feels good, not what just you can do for me and what, and and so on and so forth. Like that's where we get tripped up. Okay, let me ask you a question because this is good. What's right and what's wrong? What God says versus what man says. And let's go back and just use this parallel one more time. Let's say you have a child and our first child and you didn't breastfeed and you bottle fed, right? Mm-hmm. Does that mean the next one that you shouldn't? No. Okay, so let's use the same parallel. If you had a marriage that didn't work, does that mean the next one won't? Or you shouldn't try and use a godly example of marriage? Right. Well, here's the thing. I'm Noah's going to be two in July. I'm still breastfeeding her. Ella, I stopped at 10 months. You know, I, I learned. I, I Phoenix, I went 13 months. And Noah, I'm going longer because, you know, I I understand the benefits. I, I became more of a veteran at it. I, right. And there was, there's so much more knowledge and wisdom behind why I do what I do. So the same thing is just, why can't we be committed to excellence rather than committed to our past. If we're committed to our past and those experiences, we're going to mess up a lot. But if we're committed to excellence in the way that God has designed it in his original design, we'll, we'll be excellent because we have something to reach for. Right. But if we're the ones defining what that reach is because it's what feels right for us or what I think I can do or what I've been told or what I just kind of, you know, went ahead and made micro agreements with because it's the worldly or trendy thing to do, then I'm constantly going to be on an endless chase. So let's follow this line of thinking. So that means any person who was a a, a, a cheat, and I'm talking about a thief, like an actual thief, mm-hmm. any person who was an adulterer, any person who was a habitual liar or an alcoholic, does that mean that once they find the word of God, it changes them. That's right. So that's in your marriage. So now that we've kind of, you know, had this little part where we're, we're not trying to attack and, and we're, we're saying this with love, I'm going to ask you this question, and this is a tough question. Okay, put on, put on your, your suit of armor. This is a tough question. Is You said it a couple of seconds ago. Why do they call it a broken home? What, what does that mean? Because if we go back and dissect that, people won't like that. Because there are people right now that have very good relationships where the the mom and the new husband come over and they with the you know the yeah. the other couple and the kids get along and they say, well, we're not broken. Exactly. Okay. A broken home has a lot of connotations, but something broke. What can re- be redeemed is but, the question. There is there's broken finances. There's broken feelings. There's broken. Um, holidays, there's broken commitments, there's there's a lot that does break. In other words, if you took a couple on day one, and I, and I said this again in the book, is if nobody on day one on that altar says, I can't wait to curse you in five years, I can't wait to hate you in five years, the same way you don't take a job on day one and say, you know, in 10 years from now, I'm going to loathe getting up and coming to this job. We always go into it with, mm-hmm. with a, good, a, intention. good intentions. So if we do want to do something, the question is, what are we building it on? Oh man, you said it. You know, what are we building? It on? Is it just, is this our pipe dream? Is it just a hope? Is it just, well, I just hope this works out or this will do for now. Like that's the problem. If we don't have the, the, the foundational truth 
and wisdom to build upon, then we're going to be building it on quicksand because eventually we're, we, we are fallible. You know, men is foul. We are, we are broken. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We are wretch. We're wretch. That's why we need God. And that's why we need him in the center of marriages. And if we don't understand what God's word says about it, it, it can break and it will break. And you know what? It's okay. Cause he can redeem it, whether it's with that person or down the road, but you have to be in, in pursuit of what that is. So if you get to pursue it together, thankfully David and I pursued it together, then it was a victory. But if we pursued it separately and then we were redeemed through a different relationship, well, you know, we just, we hope and pray that that's how it works out for you. But there's a redemption in it through Christ. We just miss that. We miss that. And so now it's become, and I talked about this way before I ever met David, because people would ask, well, how come you don't ever really date? Because I didn't really date a lot. And I was like, you know what? Because I don't see, I don't see men or relationships like how, you know, how I try on jeans. To me, it's not, you know, let me just casually try you on to see how you fit for the, you know, the day, the week, the month, or the year. To me, that just didn't sit well. I wanted, I wanted to build something. In our, in our current <sighs> pop culture, who's saying that right now? Anybody? Who, what? Is any, is, is that thought right there that I, I didn't want to just try on men like I try on jeans. In our current pop culture, or just. I don't know. Culture in general. Is anybody saying that or are they saying the opposite? The opposite. They're saying the opposite. Yes. Of course. Every, everything is like swipe left, swipe right, you know, or, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, this is, I feel like this today. I want to, I want to be with this person today, or I feel like this gender today, or I feel like, you know, it's just like, give me a break. Give me a break. We are so wretched and we're, we're so broken and fallible that we're going to make constant mistake, mistakes and it's going to be our, we're going to create our own living, literal living hell. And you wonder why you can't get out of that hell because it doesn't have any foundation. There's no, there's no wisdom and no truth that it's built upon, and it does destroy. Can it I, destroys within. Can I tell you something interesting? I read an, I don't know the exact fact, but I'll paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me. And and this is, this is we have to look at this. There's a statistic that the the rate of divorce among Christians is not really much greater than the rate of divorce among non-Christians. And, and maybe it's like a couple percentage or so. That's, and hard. so, That's a hard reality. And pe- people can see that and go, well, you're sitting here preaching about a Christian relationship and having God in the center, and look, here's the difference. You notice they what said... What defines a Christian? Exactly. A person may identify as a Christian, and they get divorced, and people say, well, look at that Christian. They got divorced too. Look at the statistics. It's the same as people who don't have God in their marriage. There's a big difference. There's a my very few That's between right. people who call themselves Christians and identify as Christians and people who actually open the Bible, read the word of God and try and steward their marriage according to what God says. I would argue that if you ask those people who read the Bible together, who pray together and pray over one another, I would be willing to bet everything I own that it's a substantial difference yeah. in their do- divorce rate. Well, I'm going to say something that might sting, but like there's there's a lot of senos out there, and it's a Christian in name only, you know, and th- that's something that we, meaning David and I, and all of us, if if that stings, if that ever stings, then we have to take a very hard look at how we're, we're stewarding our lives and our relationship with with Christ, but more importantly, how we steward, not more importantly, but just as equally how we how we steward our marriage and how we steward our home. Because 
if we're Christian in name only and we're not applying those principles that we have been given, the gift of grace and that we've been given into our lives practically, then we're going to miss. And then we're, we will be a CNO, you know, but, um, before we get off topic, cause we were starting to, you know, when it comes to, to fighting for the third thing. So again, what does God have to say about it? Now, again, this is, this takes research. You guys, I'm not going to, here's what we're not going to do at the turn on podcast. I'm not going to give you all of the answers because you know what? I don't have them. And David certainly doesn't either. God has all the answers. So we want you to go seek the answers. We want you to go back to his word. That's the same thing with the pursuit, David's book. He's taking you back to the word. It's not what's in David's book that's brilliant, although I believe it to be. It's because it's divinely inspired. He's taking you back to the word, back to the foundational wisdom. This podcast is meant to take you back to God's word. What are you fighting about? What, what is it that's, at, what are you at odds with? What does God have? Let's take your feelings out of it. Let's take your spouse's feelings out of it. Let's take everything that's outside of the, you know, the situation in the world outside of it and ask yourself, what does God have to say about this? Because like I said, I could have manipulated that whole situation. I could have done it through our entire marriage and, and manipulate it to be right because it's what I have to say. And David could do it too. Or we could say, you know what, but what does God have to say? And then remember, the second thing is to win for each other, not for ourselves. To win for each other, not for ourselves. Why? Because we're on the same team. We're on the same home team. And that home team means that we, we're chasing the same goal. That home team means we're headed in the same direction. That home team means that we are championing marriage and a family and a biblical foundation of God's original design. And the final thing that I want to share here with you the third thing, and again, if you want to write these down, fine, but fight the problem, not the person. Fight the problem, not the person. We weren't dealing with an addiction, okay? We weren't dealing with an addiction when, you know, David came to me with this, but maybe there was an addiction there. It was an addiction to his friends. It was an addiction to partying. It was an addiction, you know, but it, it wasn't an addiction like a substance, you know? So when you're in a marriage where substance is involved, fight the problem, not the person, we're so quick to throw the person out. It's like we have to fight the sin, not the sinner. So fight the problem, not the person. And that's what we always, you know, again, we fight still. You know, when we do fight, it's like, all right, what am I fighting here? Yeah. Am I fighting David? Am I fighting myself? Is it something I see in me that I'm frustrated with and I'm just taking out on him? Is it my kids? Is it what's going on? Are we lacking purpose and intention each day? And is it starting to eat away at me? And as a result of that, I'm starting to get nitpicky, right? These are all things that we have to remember and questions we have to ask ourselves before we go to battle. And then choose your battle wisely based off of that. And then when you go to battle, again, fight the problem, not the person. I'm not at odds. I shouldn't be at odds with David. You know, I'm odds at odds with the problem that's manifesting in his habits or that's manifesting in my habits or it's manifesting in our homes. That's what you need to go after. What did you want to share? Because share? Well, you have something here. Well, let's go right now and just ask everybody to close their eyes and think of some things that, mm, let's say, irritate or, you know, bother them about their spouse right now. You know, if it's your husband, close your eyes and, geez, I, he does this, you know, he leaves his wet towels on the floor, or he doesn't help me with this, or he's not good, whatever it may be, right? Guys, your wives, well, she nitpicks on me for this, or we have an issue here. And what happens is 
we're blaming somebody else for not being perfect as if we are. And that's, I think, the hardest thing. You know, as if, hey, it should be super easy to get along with me. I don't know what's your problem, but I can tell you what I have problems I have with you. And we have to be honest. Like, I'm sitting here looking at Angelique, and I'm thinking, you know, I know there's things about me that are difficult to deal with. There's, you know, I mean, I'm not the easiest person. But there's other parts where I know that I think the reason why it's last is because although there are some things about me that that irritate her, to be honest with you, like the fact that I try... (laughs) I try every time I sneeze. Ugh. What's the word I try and say? Rhinestone. Rhinestone. So annoying. He was taught Ella to do this. So, you know, that's a little thing, but there's other big things too that I'm just not a neat freak like her. Ugh. And I think to myself, but there's other ways, like if she knows that I really love her and I'm trying, you know, yeah. that's what I think happens is people think, you know what, there's things about you that really annoy me or that rub me the wrong way. And I don't see them bothering you because they bother me and you're not trying. And that's what happens when, if there's something I don't like about Angelique and she knows it and she's just like, sorry, you know, I don't care. Then that's a problem. Yeah. I think people can deal with our shortcomings as long as they know that we know that they care and that we're trying to do something about them because we aren't perfect. And I found a wonderful little saying on this fierce marriage.com that says marriage is an ongoing Vivid illustration of what it costs to love an un, an imperfect person unconditionally. Yes. The same way, what? Mm-hmm. The Christ. Bible says that Christ loved us. That's right. To love an imperfect person unconditionally. So there are so many things about me that I know that Angelique would change. But she loves me for who I am. And likewise. Does that mean... Everything's going to be roses? No. No. There are still times when she's like, would you just stop sneezing like you sneeze? And that's just a tiny, <laughs> it's a tiny little thing that well, we can say. Well, let's unpack that a little bit. And, you know, you, you give an example of, of a sneeze or you give an example of um, leaving wet towels on the floor. So here's where you have to start asking some questions. For My chair keeps squeaking, so I apologize if that's coming up on the audio. But um, home teams, okay, if you if you want a turned on family and you want to work as a home team, like we call it, we support, encourage, and challenge each other. Those are the three, three principles of being a strong home team, support, encourage, and challenge. So we are going to support each other in our strengths and our talents, our dreams, our goals. Okay. Uh, we're going to encourage in that manner, in the same manner, encourage when we feel down, encourage when we're weak, encourage when one's stronger than the other, encourage when they're going after something. And we're going to challenge you biblically, meaning I'm going to challenge you to see things in a, in a new light. I'm going to challenge you on what you just said. I'm not going to just blindly agree with you. And I'm certainly not going to be your doormat. Like that's the, a biblical marriage is, is equally yoked, equally yoked. Uh, there's my husband does not suppress me ladies this is very important submission to our husbands does not equal suppression it does not we are equally yoked which means that my thoughts are supported encouraged and challenged we have to we have to love each other that way and love each other equally that way if it is one-sided and I don't have the ability to speak my mind and share my thoughts and, 
and be the emotional creature that God designed me to be. Two, two wings of the same bird. You know, we represent the, the softness of, of God, the, his, his love, the companionship he created with Eve uh, for Adam was the image of God that he is. But you know what? Men should be masculine and be strong and bold and courageous and have leadership qualities. So I'm going to challenge David in that regard. If I see him falling by the wayside and not behaving that way, then I'm going to challenge him the same way he's going to challenge me in my softness so that I don't get uh, too emasculating in my energy, right? And he's going to bring me back down if I need to be, or I'm going to allow for Christ to do that. But when I, when you bring up, when you brought up something like towels, okay, because this is where things can get really nitpicky, right? Picking up your clothes, picking up your towels, uh, not helping as much with certain things. When, when we start, again, when we look at this as fighting the problem, not the person, I'm not going to say I hate the way he leaves his clothes everywhere. Because then that's, again, that's me fighting David. The problem is I, I don't like when someone doesn't respect the fact that this burdens me with more to do. So David, right? This is how we fight the problem. David. I've noticed that things are being being left undone. And what that does is it creates more for me to do. And the more overwhelmed I have, the less of a wife I can be, the less of a mom I can be, the less intentional and work I can be because I'm burdened with the kids not helping, you not helping. So I fight a problem, not each other, not him. There's ways to go about arguing and fighting that aren't manipulative, And it's not about you or your ego. It's just about how can we fight this biblically and say, look, that just shows lack of respect or lack of intention or lack of working as a team. Or, you know, there's so much that can go into it because the fruit of the spirit tells us exactly how we are to show up. And if we're not showing up to produce fruit and instead it's we're creating a consumption model in our home and we're not producing, we're uh, not uh, holding up our end of the bargain okay, and and we're not pulling our strength, then that's where we start to let the team down. We're letting the team down, not just the person, not just your wife or your husband, not just your kids or whatever. You let the team down. So you look at it the same way we were watching Rudy last night. Like the, the team stood in solidarity for Rudy because he played with so much heart and he took a beating every single day as, on the prep team so that his team was prepared for battle. So I can take a beating, so we're prepared for battle, but I can't do it by myself forever. You got to stand in solidarity with your spouse. You got to stand in solidarity for your family. You, gotta, you have to decide what does excellence look like in a marriage? What does excellence look like in our home, in our environment? What does excellence look like through our children? And if we're not setting that example, we actually set ourselves up for generational curses that show up in their life. I don't want my kids thinking it's okay to be a mess, to show disrespect for the space that they're in or the people you know, who they're sharing space with. I don't want them to think that someone's, they're entitled, that someone's just going to pick up after them. So we have to set that example. And so while it seems nitpicky, ask yourself with something as simple as a wet towel on the floor or clothes or whatever, what what level of excellence am I portraying here on a scale of one to 10? And if it's not up there, like 
10 being the best. And if we're not getting close to that number, then we have to take a hard look at ourselves and ask, how does that affect the home team that, that loves, supports, encourages, and challenges? Well, I'm going to do better. <laughs> I'm going to pick up those towels because I don't want to take a beating. <laughs> Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, no, you just let's leave it here. Um, when you say something is because, regardless of what you want for your marriage, and the standards you hold for yourself or the standards you hold for your spouse, I think we can all agree that we really don't want to set a bad, bad example for our children. Mm. And when you just said that, you know, I'll be honest with you, maybe I'll overlook something that I left on the floor, and you'll get upset and like. Mm. You know, don't get so upset. But when you say that the kids are looking, all of a sudden, like, it takes on a different. I mean, not that not that I look any bit different on you than the kids, but I, you're you're just right. You're right about that. It's well, it's generational. You don't want to yeah. set an example for them, just like you don't want to fight with your spouse. I don't want to yell at Angelique and fight with her, and then have my daughter come home someday with a guy who yells yeah. at her. Yeah. Right. And then I have to look and say, "Where did you get this bum?" Well. Dad, that's the way, you know, you talk to mom and I wanted someone like you. Mm. You know, that's that's a scary part. Yeah. I mean, that's a hypothetical situation. It I is, never, it is I never talk to you that No, way. he doesn't. Uh, but it's such a great point. And it's what we want to remind you of when we talk about fighting fair and, and fighting the, the problem, not the person. Because th- this is not just about you and your spouse thing. When there's children involved, we we actually create generational generational curses through that. And that's why Christ redeemed it. He redeemed it on the cross. But if we are not proactive about it, the enemy finds his way through a crack under the door. And it can come in something as simple as just living living in a mess. You know, and that's again, that's such a broad brush and such a simple example. But what is where's the underlying, you know, reasons why we do these things or why we don't? And what is that set up for our children? And so again, guys, we really want you to build a turn on family. A turn a home team, right? You know, where where you individually chase after your strengths and your talents, but you work together as a unit. And there's rhythms that are created as a result of that. And you're all chasing after the same goal. And that goal is to create discipleship in your home for the kingdom of God and strengthen the body of Christ that starts under your roof at your own table. And that's what we're here to help do, uh, you know, do for you and with you because we're doing it ourselves on every single day basis. And that means that we are going to be supporting each other, encourage each other, challenging each other because we fall short. So we love you guys. We hope this turned you on today and we look forward to getting to know your turned on family.